with the realest got it popping from start to finish we talk sports and business at the intersection where fans and shannon can cross paths this is the sports and podcast yeah welcome to the sports and podcast i'm your host shannon cross and joining me today is a very special friend tj adishola who is the head of u.s sports at twitter TJ, welcome to the show. What up? What's happening? It's been a minute. Shannon, good to see you. <laughs> indeed, indeed, it has. Yeah. Um, I, I got to start with the obvious question. Head yeah. of U.S. sports. I mean, what, what is that? What does that even mean? Does so we're just going to jump. We're just going to jump into I mean, it. No catching up. No small talk. Nothing. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm uh, just saying, are you like the Mike Tomlin of, of Twitter? Like That is funny. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, so the easiest way to describe my job is, um, is so I've got a team that sits across the country and are, are, we're tasked with four primary things. One is to support the entire sports landscape. That's publishers, that's rights holders, it's broadcast networks, it's leagues, it's athletes, it's agents, the whole nine. Number two is we're tasked with helping them find ways to find ROI on all of their efforts on Twitter, which typically means monetization. How can they make money off of their efforts on Twitter as two? Three is innovation. What type of cool things can we do in partnership with each other? And four is just um, just product innovation and product support. Like what types of things or features are we rolling out that will help them achieve their business objectives? So it's a pretty fun job because we, we essentially get to work with every partner in sports. Yeah. Uh, but it's also it's also a lot because there's a lot of sports partners and there are a lot of needs, which uh, which keeps us pretty busy. But it's uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I've got the best team in the world. So no complaints on this side. No complaints. Hey, that's so dope. And I know you're primed for this opportunity because, of course, we know each other from ESPN, that's right, which that's was right. your first dream job, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before landing at Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's wild how life comes about for all of us, right? We all yeah. we all set foot in, in Bristol and we're bright eyed and bushy tailed, and we we all think, even if we don't admit it, we all think we're gonna be on camera at some point. We're like, I'm gonna get to Bristol, I'm gonna pay my dues, yep. I'm gonna wash the bathrooms, and find my <laughs> way on camera. Right. And then I think after a week or two in Bristol, you're like, oh. You're like, oh. That, <laughs> this is a little <laughs> different. And I wouldn't trade in my my experience in Bristol, Connecticut for for the world, quite honestly. Um there were some there were some boring days and nights yeah. and weekends in Bristol, but we had such a tight community, particularly black ESPN. Like we were a family. Yeah. Every weekend, nights, the whole night. We supported each other. We if, if if somebody needed some food, somebody's dropping on food. If you needed a ride, you got that. I yeah. mean, it was a special, special community reflecting on it now. I'm like, man, we had something super dope that I haven't experienced anywhere else. The cookouts, fish fries, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, wine and cheese, you name it. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was you a know, special time. It was really home away from home for sure. Um, you know. You talked a lot about uh, partnerships with your role at Twitter now. And, you know, some partnerships make you scratch your head. But sports Mm. and Twitter, it's like a natural connection there. Oh, yeah. What is it, in your opinion, what is it that makes Twitter like the official second screen? 
Yeah, it's I mean it's it's chips and guac, it's it's Drake and Ross, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's certain <laughs> combinations that go together, Mike and Scotty. There's Bass. certain combinations that, that just work. And I, I think what makes our relationship with sports so uh, impactful is the fact that we're live, we're real time, and sports is live and it's real time. So if someone hits a game tying shot, people are tweeting about it. Somebody gets dunked on, people are tweeting about it, right? Yeah. So it uh, it turns, it creates this communal effect, even if you're not necessarily sitting beside Shannon watching the game. Yeah. One of the one of my favorite experiences of our superpower was earlier in the pandemic. April, May, uh-huh. when the last when the last dance dropped, oh, all of us yeah. were stuck at the crib. All of us were stuck at the crib, yep. right? But we all watched the last dance as a family. Couldn't wait till Sunday. Couldn't, Couldn't wait. wait till Sunday <laughs> nights, right? And what made that that experience immersive was the fact that I'm tweeting alongside Dwayne Wade, alongside Shannon Cross, alongside Gabrielle Union and LeBron and Yao and the whole nine. So your yeah. your your family took to the timeline and it allowed you to have this this twofold experience that uh, even though we were far away from the cookout or the bar, or the party, it felt like we were together all over again. For sure. For sure. You know, it literally turned into like the barbershop or like the playground. That's right. You know, like nothing like it, really. And to be in the pandemic at home and not being able to be in that sports bar environment. Mm -hmm. Man, thank you, Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and I would in turn say thank you to to folks like yourself and, and others across across this sports community who know the power of the platform but who also understand community um, who understand that that um watching a sports game or a live event it gets a little more lit when you got some jokes and some commentary and some wit associated with it whether you're at the game or sitting and watching at the crib so i think the community because without the sports community without the the jamels and the bomanis and taylor rookses and you name it um, the sports experience wouldn't feel quite the same on Twitter. So we're the beneficiaries of some really amazingly talented folks uh, who take to the timeline each and every night. Oh, yeah, they're getting those jokes off for sure. <laughs> and, you know, you guys recently had the Legends Day collaboration, super dope collaboration down in Atlanta. And I thought that was really cool. You know, you had rapper Quavo out there, mm-hmm. 2 Chains, Justin Bieber, you know, everybody getting these shots off, but it was all for a great cause. What is it? What are some of the key ingredients for like the perfect partnership like that? Yeah. And so that's an interesting one, right? Because we've never done it before and we're still amidst a global pandemic. It's a panoramic, right. you know what I mean? So um, one of the things that I've challenged myself and my team is to be um, more more available and more more adjacent to these cultural moments and some cultural moments are predictable super bowl all-star olympics some stuff you just know is going to pop and there's some things that um may sound cool on paper but you just kind of like glance over it and when we um when we heard about the celebrity game we were like, wait a minute, this could be a really cool opportunity for us to test and learn. People love Beaver and Quavo and 2 Chains, and Bow Wow, Jack Harlow, yeah. the list went on and on. So our challenge was to create 
um, an experience that will elevate the conversation around it. For those people who can't see that live, you kind of want to see some video highlight. You want to see something. Does somebody get crossed up? Can Quavo hoop? Right. Um, can Bieber hoop? Right. So we were able to capture content and tell a story. So for me, telling stories around like cultural forward moments, moments for us, moments that we know are going to move the timeline. That's where I think there's really, really special opportunity. Yeah, it definitely made you feel like you were missing out on something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like more than ever, because we're stuck at home, there's so much FOMO, you know, there's so much FOMO. (laughs) And if there can be that online community like Twitter, just to be that that place where you can see the highlights, you know, and and talk to Taylor Rooks, even though you don't know her in real life or Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. I think that's super dope. It's super. Yeah, it's cool. It's been it's been it's been fun. I mean, sports is is a superpower for us. And where it gets really fun is the intersection of of sports Twitter and black culture or NBA Twitter or black Twitter. Yeah, that's where it it gets it gets super, super lit. And um, we've we've just seen some special stories and we have some really dope people in the in the community that, that make the timeline feel like real life sometimes. That's where, uh, you know, live sports is is ever evolving, right? And it, and social media has really changed the way that we watch sports now. If you had to give like two trade secrets to creators out there to stand out on Twitter, like what would those be? Yeah, I mean, I you know, one, I wouldn't necessarily call it a secret, um, but I mean, it's the the age old adage, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite followers on Twitter is King Josiah. For man, he always, 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 always has a timely and relevant meme for whatever is happening. Um, most recently, t- t- a few hours ago, the um, the Oakland Raiders tweeted, "I can breathe." Um, wow in an effort to celebrate the decision that was made uh, today with the the Derek Chauvin and the George Floyd trial. And it, while the the, uh, intent of the tweet may have been one uh, that came from a good place, everybody was kind of like, wait, what? So Josiah had like a timely meme ready for it in that particular moment. And he always does. So I use that as an example to say that it's not like as soon as these things happen, he's like, oh, let me find a meme. Like he's he's in the kitchen already. He's already cooking it up. But he's ready for these real time moments. It's just a matter of what content he's going to associate or what content he's going to tweet during those specific moments. So it's really important for you to um, to to be ready, have an archive of content, have things ready in your draft, have have memes, have video content, have real rich media that you can um, that you can use to fuel the conversation in those particular moments. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I've seen folks who have uh, an either or tweet, right? If they win, yeah. this is the one. If they lose, this is the one. And I'll just tweak the language a little bit, depending mm-hmm. on if something happened. So stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's one. Um, like that. Yeah. And, and you guys for two. The second no pressure would would be uh, would be uh, <laughs> the second would be. I mean this this is this will be different for us, but um, it's not even a secret to me. It's it's 
it's something that I would tattoo for everyone in sports if I could have diverse people pressing the publish button, the post button, the tweet button. Yes. Uh, we often scroll through our timelines and we see the new future lyric or the new Drake lyric. And you're like, wait a minute. You're like, I don't hmm. know who pressed that tweet on that button. You know what I mean? Like right. it's oftentimes it's clear that um, there is an affinity to leverage the tone and the dialect that we use, mm-hmm. but the people who are tweeting that out don't look like Shannon or TJ. Right. So from, from my perspective, it is not a suggestion to have people who look like us in those rooms. It is a mandate. Like You need to make sure that if you're talking to the people, if you're inserting yourself in the conversation of, around culture, you need to have people who look like me. You have, hire black and brown people, full stop. So those are less uh, secrets and more uh mandates <laughs> for sure for sure yeah. you know during covid sports obviously came to a screeching halt and during that time you had a lot of athletes and organizations uh, putting forth messages about social injustice right uh in the wake of the murder of george floyd during that time obviously you guys had to make some adjustments how did the focus from those athletes and those organizations impact what you guys did in terms of your initiatives and, and your focus? Yeah, it, it, that's a fantastic question. I, there was a real clear pivot for us. It was less about, hey, what is best for Twitter mm-hmm. uh, or what types of partnership opportunities make the most sense for us? And what is it, what what is the right thing to do? Oftentimes, in a perfect world, the things that we uh, set as objectives and goals, uh, will we'd like to believe that it's just the right thing to do. But I think the pivot was way more intentional, right? Like the, the games can wait. Let's figure out how to best support these athletes, how to best support these leagues, uh, and how to best support these 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 journalists to tell the story that needs to be told. And if that means um, creating uh, amplification opportunities to elevate the conversations, then that's what we've got to do. So, yeah, I think there just came much more intentionality about showcasing uh, the voices that were uh, changing the world, leveraging the, the platform called Twitter. I say this all the time, I do it on purpose. Twitter, yo, it's a microphone. And within a few keystrokes, you can reach the world. That is a very, very, very powerful tool. Uh, When you have a platform, that responsibility is major. And um, we saw in a very beautiful way this past summer, people were like, all right, I'm going to use this microphone and tell people that Black Lives Matter. I'm going to use this microphone and say that um, that social uh, inequalities should not exist. Uh, And uh, one of my favorite things, quite honestly, was seeing women in professional sports who have always been on the forefront of this mission. Um, The world was finally like, oh, my gosh, WNBA and the NWSL. Like, they really do this. Renee Montgomery. I mean, of course. And to to that point, they've been doing the work. They've been doing it. But I I think this summer people were like, (gasps) 
who knew? Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I mean? And I think it, it became especially um, it became especially elevated because of what happened with the Atlanta Dream yep. and um, them ousting, essentially ousting their, their owner um, and, and really changing the landscape of politics in the state of Georgia. It doesn't get talked about enough. But um, it was just dope to see a lot of that conversation unfold and to see the amazing, the amazing, amazing work that those those women have led recently and, you know, years in the making. So that it, it's been pretty fun to, to, to sit, um, to have courtside seats, if you will, to, to this amazing work. For sure. For sure. Especially, you know, what I really loved was the orange hoodie movement where you saw nothing but the WNBA orange hoodie Uh, on your timeline, whether it was Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Like, that's all you saw. And you felt like if you didn't have one, like, what am I doing with my life right now? (laughs) You mentioned the FOMO effect earlier. (laughs) And I I remember seeing people tweet like, yo, where can I get mine? They sold out. They don't have no sizes. And we're talking about like a really clean, like minimalist, bright orange hoodie. Shout out to uh, the late great Kobe Bryant, who was an advocate for 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 that that change as well. But yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It became uh, a staple piece. You had to have it, you know. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of what the W and NWSL and all these amazing leagues have in store. You know. Um... Speaking of that moment, like Twitter is literally the epicenter of so many dope sports moments. And I know with you being the head of U.S. sports at Twitter, I just like saying that. Um, Can you run it back one more time? As the the GM and head (laughs) of U.S. sports at Twitter, um, you're curating these moments. You know, you you know, I have to do this to you. It's because it's because I love you. I got (laughs) to. But but you're literally creating these moments and. If you had to hang, let's say two of those moments in the rafters, these moments that you have curated, not things that we're reacting to because it was spot news, like a death or or a hoodie or something like that, but something that you created, you curated at Twitter, what would those two moments be that you hang in the rafters? So here's why that's tough. (laughs) <laughs> to to ask or to answer. It's tough because the users, the users are the the stars, the users and the MVPs, right? Like I, my team doesn't have to to storytell around if if Shannon ain't tweeting what she's tweeting about or if if Renee Montgomery isn't doing what she's doing, you know. So um it's really, 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 really challenging. I, I'll say this. There's one theme that has um, become a bit of a rallying cry for us, and that's tweeted into existence. And what that means is like, w- what we love to do is kind of scour through people's tweets over the past few years. And time after time, you'll see a high school Patrick Mahomes tweet, one day I want to be a Super Bowl champion. Right. And you see these folks speak these moments into existence. uh, And years later, they become uh, these kind of these these iconic moments. Right. And you ask them, you remember that one time when you tweeted this? There was there was this really cool story where Kobe, uh, rest in peace, tweeted at Giannis, said, yo, I want you to win the MVP. 
You oh, need to I go do it. That. Yeah. 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 And Giannis, I asked Giannis about it. He was like, what? why would why would he call <laughs> me out on the timeline? And right. oh, I got some work to do, you know? Okay. <laughs> and um, and and he did it. He did it. And that those types of moments are really special for us because it allows us to um to to take folks down memory lane and showcase the power of manifesting the power of of speaking things into existence or tweeting things into existence in this particular instance so we've really leaned heavily into into that franchise and that's one that i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty proud of you know that makes me think of was it andre drummond who tweeted lebron like hey man it's me give me a follow it, I think it was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at us now. You know like, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's nuts. It's it's. But those those moments occur like all the time um, on the platform. And again, to me, the the MVPs, the, the the stars are always the users. And our job is to make sure that we we uh, we help amplify and elevate those voices. You know. Uh, one thing that also just came to mind was last year, the NBA bubble, you guys got super creative at Twitter, creating that fan experience where yeah. you had the screen with the tweets. Talk a little bit about that and how you curated that moment. Yeah. I, the fan consumption experience changed dramatically during the pandemic. Folks couldn't go to the games. Um, folks couldn't even watch fans at the games right because there were no fans at the game so our goal became really really specific how do we bridge the gap between fans and the live game experience how do we bridge the gap between fans and the actual game so um one of the things that we've if you're if you've ever been to a sports game you know what courtside seats are You're like yo they're sitting courtside there's spike lee sitting courtside right. there's, there's denzel washington sitting courtside there's jay sitting courtside and it's a thing right so um and many fans haven't had the opportunity to ever sit courtside so we um we we brainstormed with the nba and said what does a courtside experience look like for fans and then we we launched courtside tweets instead of courtside seats right allowing fans to have their their fandom exhibited and showcased right on the court. Um, yeah. And it turned into really cool, like surprise and delight moments for fans. Like LeBron is my favorite player. And then there's a camera <laughs> shot of LeBron shooting right. with that tweet in the background, right? So yeah, courtside tweets was a really good one. And uh, the objective was really simple to showcase fans, to bridge the gap between fans and players and players and, and fans. Another fan experience, if you will. Um, Twitter Spaces. Now this is oh, fairly let's new. Oh, get into it. Yeah, this, this is fairly new. Uh, it's still growing, right? Yeah. Um, but this is now where you've introduced audio to the platform, That's right. and I, I feel like this is like the VIP of Twitter. Like, if I don't know somebody over there, <laughs> then I'm not getting in. Like, how do I how do I get in Twitter Spaces? Um, can you just kind of break down like what it is exactly, and then why this has become sort of a, a natural partnership uh, for for sports? That's a, a also a great. It's almost like you're a pro. It's almost like you do this professionally. <laughs> like um, I kind of do this. Like you know what I mean. Like um, yeah. So um, I'll answer that question a few ways. One is the audio format is really interesting, um, and we've seen successes in the marketplace. Obviously, with Clubhouse uh, and Locker Room, uh, two apps that. 
um, are specifically focused on community and audio-based community specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so we have been working on voice features for about a year and a half now, two years. We launched voice tweets a year and some change ago with the objective of building that, that out. And uh, we've been really, really thoughtful about it, really, really particular about it, because when um, it's easier to police like written tweets, like if somebody's being wild or crazy, that needs to be taken yeah. down. That's hate speech. I got to go. Yeah. Live audio changes the game a, a bit, right? Because it's not like there's going to be a Twitter representative or a support <laughs> right. person in each room when you're scaling it across a platform with hundreds of millions of, of um, users. So the reason why it feels as exclusive as it does is because we want to make sure it's rolled out in the right way. We want to make sure it's safe. We want to make sure that we have the support levers in place. Um, so when we roll it out at scale, people will feel like it is um, a good place to be. So we've rolled it out with a few um, a few accounts right now. A few users have the access to create them. Every user has the ability to listen to a space, to hop into a space. Every user doesn't have the ability to create a space just yet. So um, yeah, we've had a few like really cool ones with Kevin Durant, Aaron Rodgers, um, Quavo had one the other day. And um, we're starting to see publishers use them more frequently as well. Okay. Um, audio is going to be really important for us. People are talking about things on Twitter all day, every day. Yes. They always have. So um, again, the conversation is already happening on Twitter. Um, for us, we want to deepen that experience and couple that kind of written um, conversation and community with, with the audio component. So you'll see us really, really roll up our sleeves and be more way more intentional and thoughtful about how we roll that out. But um, it's starting to be fun. We've got a ton of really cool ideas that we're seeing um, tossed and chopped our way. So you'll start to see something. You, if you don't have access to it, let, let me know enough. Yeah, we'll set that up. We'll set yeah. that up. Yeah, holla at me. Let my people yeah. talk to your people and we'll- Let's you know. get it. Let's get it. And I would love, <laughs> I would love for you to test it out and give us some feedback. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, not everyone is into the audio thing. Some people are like, right. you know what, this is this is going to a whole nother sphere. I'm just not ready right. for. Mm -hmm. But where do you see Twitter like in the next five years? Like what's the what's the new wave that people should be looking out for? Yeah, I. Um, the thing that makes for, for me, at least the thing that makes our platforms are special is a community that's built. I know so many people are like, yo, I've been friends with this person for years and we've never met in real life, but we've <laughs> been really good friends. Or yeah. I found jobs on Twitter. I found love on Twitter. I um, did. Did you really? Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of a long story, but through a okay. friend, a friend that I met on Twitter, we had a mutual friend that she introduced me to. And here we are. Did I not know that? <laughs> yeah, like I know what? Yes, I, we got to talk about that offline, and that's a, right. We'll, we'll offline. Yep. <laughs> but uh, to that point, when people build really deep and meaningful connections, people mm -hmm. build community on the platform. So we want to be um, really thoughtful about uh, creating experiences that allow folks to further 
develop those communities. So you'll start to see us play around um, with the idea of community a bit more, um, especially for new users. You don't just jump onto Twitter and find your community. It takes time to build it. It takes time to establish your voice. It takes time to understand who you want to follow versus who you don't want to follow, what your interests are. So um, kind of lowering the bar okay. for that, uh, for entry, making uh, community just much more accessible, that's one. And two, Shannon's Twitter experience should be very custom and prescriptive to Shannon. It shouldn't look like the same Twitter that TJ hops into or that anybody else hops into. Right. So we want to get smarter in making sure that what is surfaced to you is um, specific to your interests. We know that Shannon is a Lakers fan. We know that Shannon likes hoops, right? So mm -hmm. um, how do we figure out ways to insert or inject things that Shannon, we know Shannon gonna like in her timeline right. versus stuff that might not be as uh, relevant to, to her. So we're gonna get smarter with that as well. And we're already doing a lot of that work. So I'm curious, you're you're at Twitter now and that's your, your nine to five, but do you remember when you actually joined Twitter? 2012, yeah. Okay. Uh, eh, 2009, 2009. Okay. Um, class of 09. I'm class That's of 09. That's when I joined. Well, so here's what happened. So all of y'all in Bristol were, were hopping on, on Twitter mm -hmm. and Kyle and yeah, all the home, all of our homies. And I was a bit resistant to it because at the time, I was like, man, I don't know if I don't know what I want to talk about. Like, <laughs> it feels a little intimidating looking at that tweet box. The irony yeah. of that. Um, so I remember saying I will join officially if or I'll send my first tweet out when I get 100 followers. And uh, <laughs> I got I got 100 followers, mostly the homies in Bristol. Right. And um, and then and then it turned into a a bit of a love affair and now I've been working here seven, seven plus years later. It's crazy how things work. Well, they say once you get a thousand followers, you're gone forever. You know, that's what they used to you, say back in the day. You belong to the tweets at that point. <laughs> the you know what I mean? Yeah, you belong to the tweets. You, know what I mean? you belong to the tweets. <laughs> Hilarious. I, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I joined in 2009 as well, but you'll never guess why. So you were, but you were like in, you were like the digital maven early at ESPN at the time. So I would imagine some of it had to do with the work you were doing at ESPN. Um, somewhat. So I was working okay. for ESPN.com, but um, yeah. as you know, Charlie Villanueva's brother Rob. worked with us at ESPN. Shout out to Rob. Um, and so his brother was still in the league at the time. And if you remember, he was one of the first NBA players to send out a tweet at halftime. At right. yes, Charlie Villanueva sent out a tweet at halftime and he was like, yo, we got to pick it up. You know, we're not doing too well. I got to step it up in the second half. And everybody was like, he tweeted during the game. Like, what? It changed everything. And it, it changed, changed everything. And then they ended up winning that game. And after <laughs> after the game, people were like, dude, you he did a twit. You know, back then, no one knew. Right, like, right, I, right. I did a twit. I did a, a tweet. Um, and so it just, you know, it went viral. And so I joined shortly after that. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I, I, Cause I, I recall, I remember very specifically you were in building four and you were working on digital, like 
right as digital was really starting to pop. And at ESPN, we were really pouring resources into it. And uh, you were at the forefront of that change. So I assumed that there was some type of uh, digital component there, but that's hilarious. Um, yeah. And nobody yeah. talks about that as much anymore. We need to run that they back. Don't. They don't. Yeah. But that needs to be like a like a 30 for 30. You know what I mean? Like, what if I told you, you know, <laughs> we need that. You should narrate that, actually. Right. What if I told you someone fired off a tweet at halftime? <laughs> and nothing would be the same. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing was ever the same. That's right. Um, I do have one question, though, Twitter. Uh, I said Twitter. <laughs> I do have one question. Though, speaking on behalf of Twitter, that works. That works, too. I have one question. Okay. And and you know this has really been eating at me. <laughs> when when are we going to get you verified? Uh, I mean, you know, I, who do I need to email TJ because I I don't understand. I, I don't. <laughs> so funny. I'm good on it. I'm good on it. I like I like um, I like I like I like being amidst of people. That blue check puts a different a different type of. Uh, a different type of target on you. So I'm cool. True. I'm cool. True. I'm cool. I don't need court size seats. In this oh, okay. Okay. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. It's so funny though. I get asked about it a lot. I would say that uh the one advantage that it might have is because we interact with like players and agencies and leagues a lot. And sometimes uh, players have their timeline filtered to only verified accounts. Oh, just true. to like just to not have to deal with like the weird fans or trolls the weirdos, and, the yeah. trolls and whatnot, which totally makes sense. So sometimes like if I'm like, yo, we'd love to collab with you on something, they may not see it, you know? So that's the only, that's the, that's the only piece where I'm like, hmm, maybe it might be helpful, but I kind of like it, man. You know, I'm a man of the nah. people, you know? Yeah, you, you know you're I like, a legend, TJ. Come on. You're a legend. Wow. You don't even need it. This. You don't even need I it, but it. I just want to know if I can help. Like, who do I need to email? Jack, <laughs> hey Jack, if you're listening, this is my this is my guy TJ. Like, go ahead and just check him out. I let him know. I let him know that Shannon Cross <laughs> says she would like to have a word with him. I let him know. Yeah. No. Look. Uh, before we get out of here, though, TJ, yeah. um, we have a special segment on this show called "And Another Thing." All right, and this is where. I want to hear your unpopular opinion. So I need you right now to give me your unpopular opinion, starting with and another thing. Unpopular opinion. Kevin Durant is the greatest tweeter of our generation. That is my, that is my, that is my unpopular opinion. The greatest tweeter of our generation. Greatest tweeter. Okay. Generation, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's and, and, <laughs> so and what funny. makes you say that? Is this, is this your Prince George's County connection? Prince George's it, it's County. Something in the water, you know, something in the water in the DMV. Um, uh, I'm just saying. Okay. So what I would say is, um, he Katie's been tweeting for like a decade. Yeah. And um, you can see like the progression of like where he's at and where he's been at in life versus what he tweeted. Like, there's an epic, iconic tweet from. Maybe 10 plus years ago, yes. Twitter is better than going to the club. Like that has become <laughs> yeah. that has become a thing. And um he's been in space. Yesterday he was in an NBA Twitter space that trended all night and complex covered it and all types of things. Wow. There was this NBA Twitter catfish situation. You should look, you should look it up. It's nuts. Um, there was an NBA Twitter catfish situation 
the conversation unfolded in spaces. There were thousands of people in there. And KD was on stage offering advice. But in any case, wow. okay. he's, he, he's been he's been super leaned into the platform. He tweets about music, he tweets about sports, he tweets about life, he tweets about jokes. Yeah. Um, and he engages with fans in ways that many athletes don't do. Yeah. He's engaging with fans who are like, yo. I don't know. I don't like the way you hoop or like who have unpopular opinions and say, mm-hmm. okay, tell me why. Let's talk about it. That is um that is a different level of fan to athlete connectivity that we haven't really seen. And every athlete isn't capable of doing that, right? But he's right. capable of doing it and not it not affecting his mood at all. It, it, he enjoys it. It's fun to him. Yeah. I think that's dope. You and know? he's not so. afraid of the smoke. It's it's nope. interesting because recently he also got into that beef with Shannon Sharp, you know, right. after he that's was right. basically calling him sensitive for a, a meme that didn't even really exist. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. you know, it's it, just watching that back and forth. I'm like, dang, I need to turn my notifications on. Like, hold on, like, <laughs> if you got notifications on anybody on Twitter, it should be KD. He's a he's the greatest, the greatest tweeter of our generation from my humble perspective. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. That that's a good one. Well, TJ, thank you so much for your time. I super appreciate you. And also, I'm proud of you, man. You, you're doing your thank thing you. at Twitter, and I just love seeing you shine. So I appreciate you. We, we've, come, <laughs> uh, we've come a long way. Yo, we got like 10 plus years in the game, fam. We that's have a long known time. each other like 10 years. That's that's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. And you aging backwards. You on your Benjamin Button. You know what I mean? Oh, I need man. to know what the skincare routine is, Look- dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's just SPF, SPF 30, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and a little rose water, and a little rose water. It's some alkaline water, too. Right, right. Um, where can people follow you or, you know, support you? Yeah, um, I'm on social at TJ, T-J-A-Y, on, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. And uh, not to be confused with Lil TJ, because that happens to, too. Yo, everybody, every time he drops a record, my mentions are in shambles. Every two different. single time. <laughs> two, were different two, two different, two different <laughs> legends. Two different legends. You can't mix them up. There's Lil TJ and then there's but at TJ. I support the young king, though. I, support, <laughs> I got to. I got we we stuck. We stuck together. So, yeah. At TJAY. Um, it, this is an absolute pleasure to this is the first time we've done anything like this so thank yeah. you for thinking of me thank you for allowing me to to hop on the show and i'm excited to to tune in and see you to continue to kick ass like you always do appreciate you thank you take care